Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around once again around that iPad and get your speakers hooked up and get Grandma out of the bedroom so that you can all gather around as a family and listen to the wisdom of Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest This Life. Hey, welcome, everybody. we got a great guest today. Also, thank you for telling a friend. We appreciate it. We love your feedback. Email at drdrew.com slash contact. You'll get on that weekly email list. We've got that huge opioid series I want you guys all to partake of. Of which uh, Suboxone is a huge component. We're actually working on the Suboxone chapter. It's taking a lot longer than we thought. No it's, kidding. It's requiring investigative journalism. <laughs> uh, also, um, emails. We read as many as we can. We don't respond to them on the website, but we try to get to them on the show. And don't forget about the Amazon banner. Please click through there. Hydrolite, you'll save 25, uh, 30% if you use Drew18 as a code. Bergamot, of course, 25% discount. Uh, Drew at discount. Drew at checkout. Bergamot is that natural statin that I advocate, and Hydrolite, of course, is the best hydration product there is. is I'm going to be using best. it. I'm going to be using. Bob uses like I use it 24. All, he rips it off long. and uses it all day long. I'm going to be distributing it all over the trunk history set. Cure me and lead me to live to be 88 years old. All right, and we have great guests today. A friend, Jason Waller at Waller Jason is a Twitter like a at Jason Waller. Like JasonWaller.com. Jason, how you doing, brother? Hey, man, good like to see you. Like the prodigal son has come home. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> Let me in. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys both tell your own stories. And you brought with you Pete Cropsey at First Love Church on Facebook, First Love Church, Costa Mesa, California. Book is Dead Man Waking. Uh, Pete, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. So His mom has been saying he needs to be here for many that's years. That's right. Here my, he mom, is. my mom's glued right now. Founder and operates yeah. Coastal Recovery, Hi, LLC. Uh, bye bye. Treatment centers around Southern California. First Love Church in Costa Mesa. That's where he is founder and senior, senior pa- pastor currently. Yes, that's correct. Who's going to tell their story? It's a recovery story? church. Who's going to tell their story first? Well, I want to hear a little bit of Pete's story. Yeah, of course oh, you man. do, because well, we want to know what the hell you've been doing for two years. <laughs> Pete, go. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, so, so I'm Pastor Pete Cropsey, and I am the senior pastor, founding pastor of First Love Church in Costa Mesa. You know, it's, uh, let's see, um, you know, I got sober after 25-plus years of um, prison, heroin, gang life, um, all of it, and... Uh, and it left me um, dead man, right? So that's dead man waking because when I when I when I got sober, uh, you know, I walked into a, a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and for the first time in my life, I, I felt uh, home. You know, I, I I always felt home in prison. I always felt home in institutions. And I would get out here on the street, and I would be like, I have no idea how to conduct myself. I have no idea how to live life. I don't know how to go into the supermarket and cash a payroll check. I mean, I cashed plenty of checks. None of them were ever mine. <laughs> but um, you know, I didn't I didn't know how to exist in the world. And I was comfortable in prison, so I was very much institutionalized. And um, September third, nineteen eighty nine, I fell into a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, and I uh, I was warned at the door. I, I, I was warned. I, this this little guy guy and i mean at the time i was like 265 pounds and and uh freshly paroled and 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 this little guy comes up to me and he's like i'm the manager of this alano club and i don't really appreciate you convicts coming around here and stealing the newcomer girls and going back to prison and you don't care but if you want to save your life because you are dying and when he said that i'm not, I, I'm not dying i'm 200 i'm 270 pounds i'm i'm i, I could rip your head off you know <laughs> and uh, uh uh you know he said you are dying but if you want to live you'll go into that meeting and you'll listen for the similarities <laughs> and not the differences and uh, is that the Costa Mesa yes, Clubhouse? Uh-huh, yeah, saved is. saved hundreds of thousands of lives. I would say that's wow. right. Man. Do you know who the guy was at the door? There's Dave. a lot of little guys that love doing yeah. that to big guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, this guy's this guy's name was Dave Regal. He ended up being my sponsor for 15 years. Oh, but, you wow. know, some of the some of the cohorts that ran around there. Were, NA's you know, a little different than AA. Oh Drew. no, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
Well, some of Bob's friends were down there, Mike yeah. Ness and, yeah. and Gabby from the Cadillac Tramps and Mike Roach from TSOL and all those guys I got to be friends with. And they kind of they kind of saved my life because they pulled me into doing stage security for them. I had no idea what punk rock was. I really didn't. I didn't. Oh, my God. No, I had no idea. And then I, I found out, you know, punk rock is a place where a big tattooed guy from prison from, can fit in really well. Yeah. You, know? so, um, you got the I, chain wallet. You yeah, right I got the chain wallet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But so anyway, you know, I, I went to that meeting and uh, um, and he told me, he said, look for the similarities, not the differences. And I and I and I heard that. And when I went in, because I would have gone in there with an attitude like, I probably spilled more dope than you ever did, or what are those tattoos, decals? You didn't earn those. I would have yeah. had that kind of, I'm, you know, yeah, yeah, different. Well, different but the thing is, I was so busy promoting myself being this big tough guy, but it was all about covering up my fear and hiding behind an image that I created for myself that wasn't the real me. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm that guy that cries over a little house on the prairie. Mm-hmm. Really, you know what I mean? I'd spend all day on the prison yard po- posting up like a tough guy, and then I'd, I'd weep into my pillow at night in my cell. You know, like what's wrong with my life? But so, everybody, um, everybody from that world kind of knows that's what's going on. The old, I just happened to counsel an old gangster this last three months, and so I'm back in that world. He knew it. Mm-hmm. He's like 55 years old, going through he, what you're going through. He knew he was then. ten. He knew he was tender everybody, on the inside. Everybody knows that there's weakness on. It's a, it's a matter of intimidating. I don't know what it is, but it's. It's singular in its mentality. It is totally singular in its mentality. Even though the inside there's this strong desire for a tribal relationships, you know what I mean? Which is what I found in Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, but what happened for me is, um, you know, I mean, I grew up in, in Laurel Canyon, and my dad was a, a hippie, and he was in the music business, and um, I grew up around that whole environment. He was also a nudist, and so I, I, oh, I, grew, up, I grew up coming oh, his, home from school. His favorite era. Yeah. <laughs> he hates that era so much. It really it screwed up so many people. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. But, you know, it was totally a blessing, on the one hand, to be experiencing the culture of the 60s. Yeah. You know, it was really great, but it did almost kill me. You know, I would come home from school and there'd be people naked in the living room smoking weed, and I'm like 10 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. like I, My mom might have been there. She <laughs> might have, right? <laughs> I, I tell people, you know, that we, we grow up trained by the world, and the world is a bad teacher, yeah. you know. And it's, I mean, you look at the moral depravity that we face in this country today, and it's pretty astounding, really. Um, so I'm there, and I'm in, I'm in the program, and I'm giving it all I've got. And uh, How did you go from Laurel Canyon to gangs? Oh well, oh, man, you got you got you got you, you got to get Dead Man Waking. It tells the whole yeah. story. So okay. Dead Man Waking will tell the whole story. It's a, it's a long story. It involves Puerto Vallarta, uh, growing up also in Laguna Beach, California during the Brotherhood of Eternal Love era, and uh, got to experience all that. And it was all really great. Uh, but there was this guy named Max Jeunesse, and. Um, he kind of reminded me of Bob. He was like the coolest cat there ever was. He had this 1950 Chevy that was slammed on the ground, so black it looked blue almost. And and he always wore a black red leather trench coat. And he had the murder one shades and the crisp white T-shirt and the tattoos from his fingernails up to his earlobes. And he always had some dark, sexy-looking teenage girl on his arm. And I'm like, I want to be that guy. And he was a heroin dealer. And uh, I, started, I started running errands for him. And then I was at this... Making this delivery, and this guy swayed Danny DePaulo. He's like, "Hey, you ever done this?" I'm, I'm like, "No." He goes, "You want to?" And I'm like, "Absolutely, immediately, right now." You know, I'm how old I, were you? I was twelve. There you go. And when were you and running uh, the stuff for him at ten, twelve, also? Um, I'm sorry, what? Do you, when you started working with him when you yeah, were dealing? When I, when I was twelve. 12. Reminds me of Heidi Fleiss and her preoccupation with that lady that converted her. Remember? Well, yeah, but there's there's a lot of this. Uh, you're right in that the 60s and 70s were this most permissive era, right? Dangerous for kids and families. So I'm counseling a, a young woman now, and I know her dad very well, and I know his story. And I had heard him tell her it just a couple weeks ago. Started using smoking pot with his dad at 9. Mm-hmm. Started mm-hmm. doing coke at 12. Mm-hmm. His dad told him coke would clear his head. <laughs> clear hey, his head. D- I did a meeting with uh, <laughs> Danny Tre- Trejo last night. His uncle got him high at eight, shooting heroin at twelve. Yeah, yeah. My oh, dad well took me to see uh, two thousand one Space Odyssey on LSD when I was ten. Mm-hmm. You know, so so and then there was there was, a, there was uh, right a doom the, generation uh, at the entryway in this building. There's the Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper yeah, poster, yeah. the Easy Rider. I grew up. I grew up believing every bit of that. But the, here's the thing that here was the real uh, the real kicker was that drug use in the mid-60s through the early 70s was all in the name of a spiritual seeking. We had That's why it was okay for kids it, to get it, stoned with their but parents. It, it because was, but it was also about... Uh, Healing trauma. Well, it was sort of grandiose narcissism oh. and, 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 and almost culty sex activity, like the men were you know, 
indoctrinating all these young women, like you said. There was a teenage girl on the guy's arm. But most of the people involved in that lifestyle wouldn't have known what you, you meant when you said no. narcissist. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. No. But no. you, you probably bumped into my mom lived on Stanley Hill or whatever in Laurel Canyon with Mama Cass. Okay. And Manson was over at their house with uh-huh. Dennis Wilson. You were probably around that. I world. was around then. Everybody you, takes Manson and goes, "This horrible bad guy." No, that was like common shit that was going that's on. That's right. I agree. And uh, to me, it has got to be some sort of a reaction to the Second World War. Something because it just it was like 15 years later and ba boom, and it just was such an unusual reaction. Yeah, it's got to be something like so that then, historically. So I, then I don't mind. I hope you don't mind if I speak to this because I've seen a lot of it. The idea is to go as far away from that crazy way that your dad thinks into this ritualistic tribalism, you know, gangs kind of mentality because i bet you as you were going to that you and your dad had some conversations where he's thinking you're losing your mind well what i remember most about that whole uh like cultivation of this macho uh because that's antithesis of what your dad was i imagine uh, yeah pretty much but what happened was uh, I, I lived in puerto vallarta for a number of years with my mother and um she was a clothes designer and we, i was the only white kid in the entire city and we moved there when i was seven and um, I met a man who groomed me for molestation. And oh, right. he, was, he was giving me everything that I needed as a kid with no dad. He was teaching me spear fishing, bow hunting, horsemanship, um, teaching me how to sail single-handed boats. And, and, uh, and, and he groomed me, and we run a hunting trip up into the jungle, a bow hunting trip on horseback. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm like, by this time, I'm like a little over eight years old. What eight-year-old kid is not going to want to go bow hunting on horseback in a jungle, right? Right. So he, he set me but up But my mom's going to let that happen, though. Well, my mom was every, very busy. Every mom and, from the 60s. Yeah, that's, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, so so the thing was that my parents, I, you know, I, I became the invisible kid at like four years old because my parents were both so consumed with what they were doing, yeah. and I was also. I, I talked to my mom recently. And she goes, you know, I know that you think that you know you were abandoned, but you weren't having any parenting. You know what I mean? And I understand that I was completely no, no, ADD. No, HD no and, kid is having any parenting, right? So Elvis having no, any parenting. No. <laughs> so I, I met this guy Chewy, and he abused me for a couple of years, and it got you know. At, at first, it was a compromise. It's like okay, so um, I'm not willing to give up what I'm getting from him so as long as he doesn't hurt me I'll participate right, you know? right. but eventually it did become more intrusive more invasive mm-hmm. it became painful it became violent and then it got to the threats against my family and against my own life and so you know I got snatched imagine out imagine an 8 year old little mind dealing with that mm, it's unbelievable a miracle you're sitting here yeah yeah well god had a plan there's no question in my mind about that because you know so i got back to la and we were on our way to a nudist camp for a weekend (laughs) and we were smoking weed just regular weekend for pete and his dad and uh and my my little friend johnny weber um and uh he he i flipped him off in the backseat of the car and my dad this little square back vw and he caught me in the ruby roof he goes you don't even know what that means and i said yes i do it means when somebody you know and i described a homosexual experience of molestation and my dad pulled the car over threw the roach out the window and you know proceeded to like uh, and i got the silent treatment for the entire weekend we came home to our little house on lookout mountain road um that sunday and that sunday night after bedtime he came into my room and he called me a queer and beat me up and spit oh in my, my face and so that's where that's where the whole need to be this big tough guy was born that right. night right you know and uh and that night i i um i decided that i was going to be the most heterosexual the toughest the meanest mm-hmm. don't look at me twice and, well he um, accomplished what he wanted to well i don't know but I, I i realized many years later that it, what had happened was that he because he, he was sent away to private school when he was like eight years old and stayed all the way and he had he had experienced yeah. the same yeah. thing and never been able to deal with that or process that that experience and so his rage was not at me his rage was at events that his he perpetrator, had, right? Well, right. also his inability to protect right. you away from what happened to him. Right? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm sure. Sheesh. But when you're stoned on pot, it's a little and nude. Uh, it's a little hard. God. When are people going to realize that they are the representative protecting their child? They're they're representative of society. They're it's the crazy. entirety. Yeah, it's that was a horrible period of history. I'm, I'm on the record with that. He's, he's, yeah. This is his. You're playing into his <laughs> wheel well right now. Okay, well that's good, <laughs> I guess, right? So well, I think it got worse in the 70s. I think you know. No, I think it, it did because be, then, because then, the seductive nature of the justification of a spiritual seeking became reality. Because then, all of a sudden, methamphetamine and, 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 and intravenously ingested and, drugs and, and, and teenagers picked AIDS up and, and teenagers picked up the crucible. Right. The adults never contemplated the teenagers would behave like this. They're teenagers. Right. They just. Took, took right over. Yeah. I did. was a part of that. Yeah, me too. Right. And it was not good. 
It's not well, good. it was fun for a while. It's not healthy. It was not good. So anyway, so now you're pastor. Yeah, so, well, so, yeah, so, so after after my experience with my and, and that's, doesn't that seem like doesn't that seem like just the perfect natural transition? So having grown up in a in a household because my dad was also an Eastern mystic, and if you've been around LA for a number of time uh, any length of time through the sixties, you remember a thing called Subud and Latihan, which was a spiritual seeking kind of group that was established here in, in Hollywood and West LA. And um, you were probably around the Source family. Too. I was right. I was. That's right. Really? And, 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 the and cultural and history of L.A. Yeah, cults yeah. right yeah, here. Yeah. Help create love, which manifests peace on Fairfax and Third Street. I used to wow. work in their graveyard shift when I was a little kid. Wow. But um, so, uh, you know, this coming out of that whole molestation thing and coming back to L.A. and living with my dad and then going through this whole thing where I, I purposely set out to cultivate a tough guy attitude and a tough guy persona. Um, I couldn't wait to get to jail. I couldn't, you know, I, I loved Juvenile Hall. It was like, now I'm, I'm, I'm with the homies, right? I'm a, uh, and I'm, I'm a tough guy. And uh, so when I finally got out of all that and I was a member of that uh, Vogel's Motorcycle Club for over 20 years and became the top dog in that whole deal. And uh, um, when, I, when I finally got sober... Um, I had already had this spiritual experience of having grown up around guys who were reading the Bhagavad Gita and Baba Ramdas Be Here Now and the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and I had already experienced all of that kind of spirituality, right? And um, so I, when I got to the program, um, you know, I had the opportunity to create a God of my own understanding, and, and, and the problem was is that the God of my own understanding was way too permissive, you know, because I'm just so permissive with myself, you know what I mean? And I got to create, I, I remember in a movie, this, you shouldn't this, be trusted to create your own God. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, and I, I, I remember, you know, I would see guys in prison carrying a Bible around and I'd be like, you're such a sissy. Um, cause I knew they were hiding behind that. And, uh, and that was a, a probably a, a wrong judgment to make, but I did. And, and, you know, maybe I believe they were it's sincere. real when it's happening right. and, and it needs to be encouraged post parole and yeah. it's not that the, 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 the parole life? office doesn't even want to talk about it. no the, that sure? people become devout in prison and yeah, i yeah. believe i've been into the prisons and done and there's 12 step stuff it's yeah. real yeah yeah but but their inability to transition that into the real world right. like to get it's hooked up simple. with a church yeah hook up to a they, church or parole Pete. parole is yeah. secular parole doesn't even address it yeah yeah maybe it can't maybe there's a law against it they're going to hear this and they're going to make one yeah. <laughs> yeah. but you know so uh, you know I, I, I would get out of prison and I would go to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa Pastor Chuck Smith the founder of that movement Chuck? and, and um, I would go there and I would hear what I thought was the truth I knew was the truth but I would feel disqualified I would feel like if these people knew what was really going on in my head, they'd, they'd want me in a different zip code, you know. And, and what that, years were you going there? I was, this was in the all through the late seventies. Yeah, I was the, there in seventy eight and seventy nine. Yeah, Odin Fong and all, yeah, all yeah. Guys and, Tony, you know. de, 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 uh, this guy got me into that. Hmm? Yeah, so it was great. It was great. He was great. I, I, I Is he still alive? I don't think so. Yeah, he was great. This guy Chuck. That was before oh, Chuck, religion. Chuck. No, Pastor Chuck passed from lung cancer after never having smoked a cigarette in his life like five or six years ago. Mm. Oh, okay. And he That's preached. What he preached the day before he died. Mm. Like a, and he was a guy. This is before politics got sewn to religion. Yeah, he was just about Jesus and about love and kindness, and it was a powerful message. And yeah. then it got railroaded by by so, politics. Yeah, so I would hear him and I would believe him and I would know that it was true, but um, I would feel disqualified. And um, so, in that September third, nineteen eighty nine, when I fell into the Narcotics Anonymous meeting, I um, I learned integrity, and that was the thing about this little teeny guy who was jacking me up at the door. And, and, and I, I would have never taken that kind of crap from somebody. <coughs> You know what I mean? Except for he had something that I couldn't quite identify that was, was authoritative and very powerful. And it turned out what that thing was was integrity. And I, I, that was the first time I'd come face to face with a man of integrity. And it was very impressive to me. You know? How do you define so, integrity? Uh, wow. Okay. So um, that, that's throwing a curve at me. Um, I would define integrity as, as, as someone who means what they say and say what they mean. And yeah. someone who lives a life that's above reproach, that so, doesn't yeah. do anything in the dark that couldn't be brought into the light. You know, and someone who's uh, right-sized. So right-sized. living what they say and being right-sized. Right. Yeah. We were and talking so, about that in a prior episode where, you know, this idea that you that your mouth lines up with your 
actions, mm-hmm. right? This this applies in marriage and family therapy, right. in, in all areas. And we've just gotten so far away from that. We're, we're allowing whatever you say is just what you say. Well, that's you know, relativism. Relativ- moral relativism. relativism. Yeah. Trump's kind of an example of moral relativism. <laughs> Anything you say, like just line up what you say is what you do and what you do oh. is what you say. In the last oh. episode, we had the guy from Fox here, Greg. Right, fascinating guy, Greg. What's his Gut last name? Guttel. He's on the Five. You ever watch his show mm. on Fox? Anyways, he. Um, we were talking about how I believe Paul Ryan is just pushed out completely here, because what he's saying isn't what he believes. Right, Drew? Yeah. So it's in our politics we can spot hypocrisy. Right. In our church often with Jim Baker and Kenneth Copeland, some of these people, you can spot the hypocrisy, but. In the 12-step world, it's really hard to be a hypocrite because everybody spots it and everybody confronts right. it. Right, you spot right? it, you got it too, right? Right. Like, yeah, that's the that's extraordinary so I think, part. You know, the one pure part of AA yeah. in the 12-step world is there's no way to bullshit your way right, through Right, there's it. a deep sensitivity to bullshit. Deep <laughs> sensitivity. Well, that leads into the whole Suboxone controversy. Man. <laughs> because, because, because if a person is put on Suboxone maintenance and they're professing that now I'm clean, how do they relate to the, the tribal nature of Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous? Because it's weird. You can't, you can't take chips. You can't, you know. And, and no, these they people do, are, though. I the know, doctors but, tell them to. We were just doing over this article. They're now putting people who are not addicted to opiates on Suboxone as a craving medication. Putting them on an opiate and, and to why, stop their cravings. And, why, and, and in the literature, in the medical literature, why they've New selected – times, baby. Bob, listen to this. Why they've selected – in the original literature, why they've selected Suboxone and not Naltrexone is because Suboxone is so re- like reinforcing. <laughs> yeah. They like it better. I do. Of course you do. <laughs> All you guys do. I do indeed. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. it's like it's – like, you're kind of high. Opiate. Yes, you get high. Yeah. Yeah. It's got opiates at it. And for you family well, members it, at home, understand. There is a drug called naltrexone that does all the things that the doctor is telling you you need to have happen and in your loved you one, high. and it's not addictive. Yeah. But they sewed the two together and now say the one is better yeah. because it's got opiates in it. Of course it's better. Well, they perfected the same machinations that they attempted all through the 70s with methadone. And right. Now they, produ- they, they perfected it with Suboxone. It's, still, it's, just, it's, it's a method of control. Is it really at the bottom line? But um, yeah, so that guy, he had this integrity, and um, I wanted that integrity. So I dove into that program, and I, you know, we used to have a, a saying around the, the Costa Mesa Club of work the steps or die, MFR, you yeah. know, and, and that, was, that was what was happening. It was about working the steps, it was about being of service, it was about being hey, what, involved Bob, in what eight if, to nine. What if I remember, work the steps or die? We used to say yeah, that. Yeah, it's not, it's not popular anymore. No. That's a, that, you should adopt that in your don't die policy. <laughs> the don't die policy <laughs> right. is very simple. But, you know, I heard that, yeah. and I took it to heart. And, yeah. and it was very tribal. I mean, we had all these punk rock bands and was going to gigs and doing shows, but we were together in everything we did. You know, the Community. meeting, the, the 4.30 NA meeting at the Costa Mesa Club was like a tribal gathering every day, you know. Right. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I loved that. But what started to happen for me is I started to recognize the relativism in, in the God of your own understanding thing. Mm-hmm. And I had a conflict with that because I had heard of Jesus and I did believe that the word of God was authoritative and infallible and inerrant. And now that I understood that I wasn't disqualified, I was in a hurry to get back to that life. And, uh, it, was one a of the, bridge. it was a bridge to where you yeah. needed to go. But God made it clear to me. You're not to leave the 12-step programs because what happens is a lot of people who find their way into Christianity, they abandon the yeah. program. And, 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 you know, you've got things like, uh, you know, you've got all these other methods that incorporate Christianity and recovery. And, and from my position, it's like, okay, so if I'm a Christian in recovery, where am I supposed to be? If I'm listening to Matthew 28, it says, Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples of all men and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where should I be positioning myself as a recovering addict and a Christian? I should be positioning myself in secular narcotics anonymous and alcoholics anonymous and gently Gently massaging the yeah. word of Christ into the meeting without violating Being traditions, an and so and right. so. What happens is now I have this church in Costa Mesa, First Love Church, and it's um, probably ninety five percent people out of the rooms, and we celebrate AA birthdays there, and you know, and we give shout out to people that have accomplished different milestones in the program, and and it's it's, we, it's we've very been, cool. We've been saying that we think there's a little there's there's the more religion needs to yeah. step up in our society. And that, there's no doubt in my mind that we're lost. We're lost partially because the family is just so broken, the family systems in America. But but systems that used to help families heal and stay together are broken. Yeah. Religion, um, social services, 
but I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole because I have a feeling you're here because this guy went off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting because Jason's, Jason's father and I served together at a church called Calvary Chapel Laguna Beach. We were deacons together at that church. I've known Jason's father for 30 years and or 25 years. And, um, and, and so, you know, when, uh, when God dropped Jason in my lap or, or dropped me in Jason's lap, we haven't figured out which yet. But, uh, you know, it was a very celebratory experience because I love this kid. You know what I mean? Me uh, too. And, and, uh, and I, I want to see only great things happen for him. And I know he's totally capable of great things. So I'm grateful to him for bringing me here today, for sure, because I'm like, I'm like, in, I'm, I, I'm, there's a little idolatry going on for, with me for you guys, you know what oh, I mean? Because gosh, I, come on <laughs> so, so that's 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 a really cool thing. It's really cool. To I be always here. felt I, I was going to the the uh, NA Costa Mesa. Well, I have a long history in Orange County. One is I didn't, my know, high school, I didn't know that my high school English teacher took me to an AA meeting in Laguna. It was Chuck C's meeting when I was 17 years old. What? Because really? she caught me drinking Bacardi and Coke in class. What kind of fucking thing is that? <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> right? At Mar- Marina High School in yeah. Huntington Beach. And I remember... You were, going to, you were living in Huntington Beach? Yeah, I went my last junior and senior year of high school there. Jesus, to get away time... from the bad elements of what was going on. Did your whole family move to Huntington Just Beach? Just me and my mom. My dad was dad. Right? Yeah. Your mom mom or your sister mom? My mom mom. Wait, okay. what? My grandma mom. <laughs> My mom, Wait, what? Was, it's complicated. Is it like what we heard it's on the radio coming up here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, every time I talk to you, I learn something new. It's the weirdest damn thing. Well, yeah, it was. It was my my. <laughs> here's here's the narrative. My dad was planning on killing himself. He wanted to get me to one of my sisters. It didn't matter if it was my sister mother or my other sister who lived in Huntington Beach. He knew that my mother couldn't take care of me by herself so first we moved to san jose to be near my sister mother she didn't want me she was like you know i'm 15 years old telling everybody to fuck off and (laughs) you know what i mean so then we moved he died up in san jose by what by the way and then we moved to huntington beach to be near my other sister susan hoping that she could guide me. so you were moving around all these different high schools or was it a summer yeah high schools oh my gosh i went to three high schools yeah that explains everything. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> it's an antisocial personality <laughs> disorder. Explains. I opted out of the whole high school thing. Good decision. I still 10 pounds of Colombian, hopped on a plane, and lived on the North Shore of Kauai in a treehouse when I was supposed to be in high school. So. There, that's like Chris Hoy or something. So, but but I I do believe that that Jason I love like a little brother and I didn't know how to stop what was happening. I knew it was happening. I not not drinking or drugs or anything. Just just he needed something that I couldn't provide cuz my sobriety works for me. Yeah. Right? The people we were in business with with had no no sense of anything, right? And we were in this mess and I just thought it's going to play out the way it plays out, right? And then I know that you were a big part of how it played out this last year. Yeah. And how, what do you do when a friend of yours is believing a bunch of stuff that's not good for them? I'm not saying using or gambling or anything. Just the mindset drifts into a different space. We've well, all had people well, like that. Well, okay. Here's the thing. And, you know, you might not um, uh, adhere to or subscribe to um, a scriptural commentary concerning the I state do the prodigal con- son <laughs> concerning the state of the world but 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 the bible makes it clear that we are this is a, a spiritual um scenario this whole mm-hmm. life everything you know whether you're for god or against god it all is yeah. it all is a, a platform for a spiritual battle or a warfare that's going on so as we look at our culture and we look at the way the world is operating we see that it is in moral decay I mean, you cannot deny that stuff that is completely unacceptable 20 years ago today is commonplace. And so if, if what was totally unacceptable 20 years ago is commonplace today, there's, well, not, I like, I there's, like there's not much left that's not acceptable today. But what will it be like in another 20 years if, 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 if that same rate of deterioration, moral deterioration takes place? I mean, what, what are we, we going to be? We won't live here. It's been right? my decision. What? Right. So if we're involved in this spiritual battle, then, uh, you know, when, when, when you're dealing with um, people who have been, like, as I said earlier in the program, um, we've been taught by the world and we've been taught poorly. The world is a bad teacher. 
And, uh, and because the world is under the sway and control of, you know, I say Satan, you may say negativity, um, evil forces, right. whatever. But, but the world is under the control of a very negative spiritual presence. And so right um, now, now yeah, absolutely. And, and so and, 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 and the evidence of this is in the pe- people's rejection of biblical truths and of Christ when it seems like it's like a no brainer to me that I look around the world and I see that it's a total wreck and I look over here. But the problem is that the Christian community has also been inundated with perpetrators of nonsense and, and baloney and lies. And, uh-huh. and, you know, when you when the, we were talking about what's integrity and and, and I feel like, well, integrity. Integrity, you know, the world. Um, I, I judge myself by my intentions, and the world judges me by, by, by my actions. So yeah, yeah. now, uh, it, actions need to be the dictating force in, in how I conduct my life. And what are my actions going to represent? What are my actions going to? So when it comes to like, how can I influence someone like Jason? Um, I can, I can, I can do that on a Sunday morning in a sermon. And God's given me a gift for that because of the background that I've had, the lifestyle that I've had, and then have, having having the uh, the theology education that I've also had. He's, he's turned that into a thing where people are like, oh, I get it now. Right. He's given me a gift to be able to put feet on, on the word. So how do, you, how do you address in your church one of the things? Have you seen the Pope movie? No. That guy is amazing. Yeah, I don't our, know what you feel about it. The current Pope? The current Pope huh. has this documentary where he just shares. They ask him questions and he says answers that I can't believe he's not executed by the Vatican. Huh. Like he talks about the poor and being of service to the poor constantly, the Gospels, Christ. And and that's so contrary to Absolutely. everything that the Catholic Church is. And what happened with evangelicalism is this sowing to political belief. I watched it happen in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. I grew up Catholic, went to Catholic school eight years. Um, I have wonderful aunties that are very devout that I love and respected and, and what it it made Christ appealing. It made the Bible appealing. It became not appealing at all in the 1980s when it got sown to politics. Was it money the, or politics or both? Politics. Yeah. It was politics. And really, I'm ready for Roe v. Wade to be reversed. I don't care. Reverse it. If that's what's dividing this nation and politicizing Christ, then reverse the fucking law. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been right. saying that for 10 years. Liberals want to kill me (laughs) you know what i mean if that's the one thing that's caused all of this i I don't know what's caused all this i'm not clear what do you think it is um i i think it's the decade that you were exposed to as a kid i think that was that was definitely was tnt TNT, and we need to get it back we need to get it back from after that we have to find a way back yeah you know we we have way too much way too much glorification of illness people are sick and we glorify it well i I see what you're saying about the decade because having had alistair crowley as a star right in that in that era right there you got problems it's it's bass ackward the most sociopathic the most disturbed becomes the most elevated and that's like who's the kid that the that the adolescents look after the drug addicted, cutting, brooding didn't used to be. That's a new phenomenon in human behavior. It's that's something that's been since the '60s. That the most disturbed kid acting out in the most antisocial way is the one most elevated. Well, and, and you know the thing about it is the culture is largely a monkey see monkey do proposition. So you've got um, uh, Paul McCartney and George Harrison bringing the Maharishi into the country, and the next thing you know, within a week, everybody's wearing a Nehru shirt. Right. You right. Know, so. Uh, mass mask production branding media but I, I just think that getting back to the basics I, I think that a lot of pockets of our society are trying to get back to the basics sounds like what you're trying to do at your church back to love back to respect right but we can't deny and I love that you said there's a lot of corruption in the church there's a lot of uh, there's there's nothing but corruption in the recovery business uh, I know <laughs> you know what I mean I know so so the, the idea that we within our systems, the church, the recovery industry, call out the bad actors, right? And that's what I've been trying to do. Like, don't don't get your health care from a Google search. Right. Right? Somebody's paying 80 grand to be the thing that popped up. You know, Bob, I, I had the opportunity to uh, to start a Christian program within a fairly large, uh, say, 75-bed uh, um 
traditional treatment center, right. right? I got I got offered an opportunity to come there and create a Christian program, mm-hmm. and I was made the director of pastoral care. And uh, and I, I didn't. I, they just said uh, do whatever you want to do. Well, I didn't know what to do. So what I did was I had all the census brought together for uh, a group meeting, and I and I told my story. Right. And I had a sign up sheet. And I said, if you guys would like to meet with me, here's the sign-up sheet. Well, in that first night, that sign-up sheet was filled with 25 clients. And, I, sure. and, and, and so then I thought, well, I'm going to start a Wednesday night Bible study here at the center. And it's all voluntary. You know, you're assigned to your MFT. You're assigned to these uh, uh, clinical protocols that you're supposed to adhere to in order for insurance to pay. Yeah, yeah. My, right. and nothing like that was going on with what I did. It was all voluntary. So Wednesday night, I started seeing 85% of the census in attendance at the Bible study. Right. So then I started having them brought to the church and we would have three of those big druggy buggies the big ones you know the big mercedes sprinters or whatever there drew has luckily not worked in recovery for 10 years and never seen them you know no, that I, they get driven around in those mercedes benz limousines yes, I do. you do know that i'm aware of it so. <laughs> so i would have three or four of those filled with clients every sunday and then I, I started, I, I'm writing Drucky a book, buggies. I'm currently writing a book, yeah, <laughs> currently writing a book called Living Life 365 24-7, and it's, uh, it's a Christian daily devotional, like My Atmos for His Highest, or, or, or you know, or, or like Daily Reflections for AA people. Um, it's similar to that, only it's uh, written from a Christian perspective by an addict, me. And, uh, and and so I started using those. I'm about two-thirds of the way done with the book. I think I've got about 225 of them written so far, and uh, I want 365. But um, I started using those to do morning groups, and uh, and this is how I know that 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 Jesus, my God, um, has a huge effect on people that are broken and desperate and 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 searching and maybe have always felt uncomfortable in their own skin, maybe have never felt a part of anything because I was getting 85% attendance and and, and I ended up seeing um, as many clients as my schedule would permit, four to five clients a day, five days a week. 85% 85% participation in my Wednesday evening Bible studies. So what happened? 35 You're to 40. It like it's a well, past tense. It is I a past like tense. And here's, here's what's I don't happening. like where this story Here, is going, Here's what's Drew. happening. Here's what's happening is, um, you know, you talked about the corruption in the recovery yeah, industry. Yeah. Well, when the uh, insurance companies started paying 15 to 20% on our billable hours as opposed to well, the 45 or 50% that we had been getting, it became unsustainable. And, um, and the company closed. And it was very unfortunate because in the, in the efforts by um, – whoever they are to get rid of all the bad actors in the business some of the good actors are some of the good actors are are, are paying which is really a a a terrible thing when you consider that over sixty-seven thousand people died of opiate addiction um overdoses and so forth in in 2016 i'm not even sure what the numbers for 2017 are but i know that it was over sixty-six thousand in 2016 think okay there's a huge need but the need is being crippled by people in the recovery industry that have no morals or scruples Mm -hmm. he that's what he said. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree, too. Yeah. So, but the thing was that I discovered is that, like, even now, um, this company's been closed for three months. I still have 25 to 30 alumni from that program at my church every Sunday. Two of them serve, as, two of them serve as ushers. One of them sometimes sings in my band. They're there for setup and teardown, and, uh, and it's a beautiful thing. So I know that, I know that this is truth. Because it's self-evident, and the evidence is the participation of these kids. So you know? how did Jason play into all this? I want well, to know. Well, Jason, I, I, go to a, I go to a Sunday night Pills Anonymous <laughs> meeting. And, um, Speaking of pills. Yeah, right? <laughs> and pills, aren't they? Uh, pills are so tidy. Yes. They're, they're actually tidy. We, we encouraged. Just, just following what the doctor told you to do. Yeah, and maybe a little Especially extra. Especially if you have ADHD. Imagine how debilitating ADHD is. Assault ADHD. If you throw in a little dyslexia where you read the prescription oh. bottle, it says one every four hours. Somehow you think it says four every one hour. So Jason and I ran into each other at a PA meeting on a Sunday night. And it's like, you know, I've always been attracted to him. He's always been attracted to me as a, a you know, in, in a brotherhood kind of thing. And, and he's like, let's get together. So we started uh, having a little lunch here and there and meeting and uh you know, I'm 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 looking for something new to do right now, and uh, so is Jason. So we've just been kind of hanging out and you know, kind of brainstorming. You know, what what's what could be our next move? Is there something that God has for us together in in in, in this next stage of our lives? So well, yeah, I think we reconnected after running into into each other for multiple years and never really kind of making anything of it. Uh, and then we finally turned to 
connecting. There's a reason we kept running into each other. The signs were there, right? So, and and I never thought I'd. <laughs> I'm just shocked he was at a PA meeting myself personally. Yeah. Well, come on, man. Pills. Are my, I was hiding pills everywhere. Any meeting. Like, any meeting. Yeah, that's true. It was wrong. Oh man, help I was, me, Drew. I was I'm there. Listening. I watched it. Okay, tell your story, tell your Jason. Story. In the general way, so it doesn't, it's not too shaming. Well, no, I mean, shit, dude. The shame was, it is what it is, and what happens, what happened. And, you know, I was, I let that shame and guilt kill me for so long uh, that I'm getting, you're being real right now. Yeah, I know you. I, I honestly, the biggest freedom I experienced was being able to come clean. And Mm. who'd you come clean to? Your dad? To everyone. All I, at once. Mm-hmm. My mom like an Instagram blast. <laughs> hey, uh, it, it actually. Hey, I've been lying for the last three years. I've been high the whole time. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it good? <laughs> well, no. So what happened is, I actually call, my wife knew what was going on, but I was in my drug-induced psychosis, if you will. And the very, baby had to have had something to do with it. There was a little bit of everything. So I think here, I think I'll start back. You know, three. But let's just say three, three and a half years ago is things in my life were really good. I think when we reconnected, you guys got to right. see things that were going on. And I was in a very, very good place. But, you know, as good things come without boundaries and balance, I started to take on more things. And the more complacent I became, the more I st- st- stayed away from my program, uh, the more I stopped connecting with the right people. Uh, you know, my foundation, my fellowship, and my service ended up becoming none. Um, I started surrounding myself with the wrong, wrong type of people, but I think the complacency, let me, let me actually retract that is, is as I got busier, I then actually, uh, instead of listening to my body saying, slow down, I go, well, I, something's gotta be wrong. I gotta go to a therapist. And by going to a therapist, we ended up talking. We thought that it would be a good idea to take Adderall and, and and I knew it. I saw it. That's the first time I've heard it out of his mouth. And but I, I didn't realize a therapist, you know, I thought it was just a doctor. Where no, he was then they get you a doctor. I know. I know. Just, oh. So unbelievable. Man. And this is probably a therapist that presents him or herself as an addiction specialist. <laughs> <laughs> so right. From, specializing in getting you addicted. <laughs> it makes me insane. Well, that's the that's a crazy thing is is obviously taking. Did you go back and talk to that person and set them straight? So at least they don't do it to somebody else. Please. I I, I haven't yet because mentally I'm just not in the place. Okay, but, right. but, but I mean, you, they have got to understand that they cannot think that way well no 100 percent, and i think that's i this. don't understand what they think grown adults have to focus on that's so important I, like they're pers- drug addict in their room and they don't know how to deal with them and he seduced her with his ideas about how great it would be if he could concentrate oh, it was phenomenal so i mean that's <laughs> so. the thing is now i was busy and i was able to take <laughs> yeah, all more. But, but wait a minute the, the addict in his in his in his in his game is the most incredible manipulator yes. so oh, i'm yeah. pretty sure oh, there yeah. was some manipulation no, that's what going I said. on about, well what do you think about maybe adderall no, no, but listen, but her job is to know and spot that. You can't be a therapist and have that in your room and not know what, what, what it is when it comes well, at especially you. especially when I'm a cocaine addict. Well, no, so, but what my, so, my therapist, the therapist that work for me and with me and the ones well, that you can I've have had, a therapist the good ones, and an addiction person. The good one would say, separate. I'm not a doctor. You would have to go see a fucking doctor. Well, but by the way, that's even a worse <laughs> idea, Bob. <laughs> that's a worse idea. I'm sorry, but that's worse. But what you need but is not maybe... Encourage and, and now you have this therapeutic bond that is now being manipulated. Uh, oh, we, we, yes. were, we were. T- I, I I got so good at manipulating. That, uh, there it is. <laughs> well, so let me, the horse let, me here, let me say this though: is that I went to take this with no ill will or no okay. no intention of abusing this. That didn't last. Of course not. Uh, it did not last long. Yeah, but because the because the addict in you had the intention, but you as a person didn't have the intention. But the addict in you tricked the other you yeah. into thinking that oh, you know, maybe this is innocent. Well, no. Well, that's I really, why we go I to meetings. So no, we you keep don't. It's even better. It's even better. The addict him had heard it's long acting. Really, it's not as this, short as the cocaine. I, I will be able to use just the way it's prescribed. But Drew, like it's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> real life was happening at this same time. I know. There's, well, me and on. Jason hold. became sewn at the hip. I want to talk about that. And I was along for the ride. Some of it's been a wonderful blessing. Some of it's been a disillusioning curse. All right, we're going to talk about it. Hold right? on. We're going to take a break, and you're going to tell the story. Okay. All right. Be right back after this. All right. Well, I think everyone's aware we just went through a terrible flu season and uh, allergy season coming up. Hydrolyte, stay ahead of your hydration. Quite simply, Hydrolyte is the best oral rehydration product I've ever tried. I've said it a million times. This is an exact product I intended to create because I knew we had a need for it. And these guys 
apparently they own Australia and they brought it over here and I can't say enough about it. My son just had a norovirus. He was extremely sick and we literally avoided hospitalization by keeping him rehydrated with uh, hydrolytes. So uh, I am grateful to them. I, I, I understand what this is. This is, you know, this is the kind of replacement you need if you're dehydrated, if you're vomiting, if you have diarrhea, if you're working out hard and just in daily in life, some people tend to not pay attention to staying hydrated and this is the way to do so. It's more than water. You've got to understand, water is one piece of hydration, but the solute, what's in the water, is what really gives you the volume replacement. So whether you're sick or not, you can absolutely benefit from proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. Hydrolyte does this better than sports drinks or certainly better than water alone. Great flavors, orange, berry, lemonade. I, of course, like the fizzy tablets that you put in a bottle of water, and there you've got them. Uh, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times your electrolytes with 75% less sugar Solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow instructions. So you can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or at Hydrolyte.com slash Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W. And for a limited time for our listeners, you can save 30% on Hydrolyte. Just click on the banner on my website at drdrew.com and use the code Dr. Drew18, D-R-D-R-E-W-18, at checkout at Hydrolyte.com slash D-R-D-R-E-W and use the code D-R-D-R-E-W-18 at checkout get that great discount. Hardly, you will not be disappointed, I promise. I want to welcome True Niagen to the show. True Niagen is a dietary supplement designed to boost key cellular resource called NAD. It's also, that's short for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It's a coenzyme found in every living cell. It's essential to our cells and it's a key mediator of metabolism. A lot of work being done at NAD these days. I've been watching it very carefully. The science is preliminary, but it's been looking good in a lot of areas. Uh, What's exciting about these studies is that the increased NAD levels may potentially help with cellular metabolism, regulating circadian rhythm, and they're even hopeful it may slow the effects of aging. Very interesting research and seemingly no adverse effects. So while studies are very early, science out there is impressive. The biohacking community has gotten behind the research. Actually, the addiction treatment community has gotten behind it, too. I've been intrigued with the possibilities surrounding NAD and the research behind True Niagen. I suggest you check it out for yourself. Go to their website. In June, I had a chance to speak with the company's chief scientific advisor, Dr. Charles Brenner, on the Dr. Drew podcast. It was deep science, and it piqued my interest. In fact, I got on the product after talking to him. Definitely check out that episode. And to learn more about the research, the science, and the True Niagen supplements, visit trueniagen.com. That is T-R-U-N-I-A-G-E-N.com. Check it out today. Oh, yeah. We're back. All right. So you were going to talk about the the uh, journey. The journey you're, you're with Jason. You're in Jason, Jason. Journey with Jason. The oh, journey boy. with Jason. It was a blessing. I still have a house in Laguna. I love Laguna. It's my favorite place. It's a way that clears my mind. It gets me out of my head. But we got involved in some business things, right? And I needed him to listen to me. But there was no – there was no – it was – do you know what I mean? That Adderall was just – that train was going. Cruising. Right? Choo-choo. And we had a talk in my courtyard, and I said, Jason, I think there's a way where we can do the right thing and just, like, hardly work and live here in Laguna and and make good money. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, man. Because I, I have, you know where the rehab we had was on, in Laguna yeah. on Cliff? I have an apartment I love three doors down. I could walk to work. Right. And... It would have been just perfect. That's the beauty of Laguna. It's like a a Christmas tree was going on up in there. 100%, man. And we're going to have this place, and we're going to have this other place, and Laguna, uh and then that, we're going to... And yeah. I was like, but we'll but we'll probably make about the same amount of money if we just stayed home. And I kept encouraging you to have children so you would settle... You know what I mean? Children make you like want to be home more. Uh, that, been is, my, that is very true. Right? That is very true. One of the, the biggest gifts is having having my daughter. That's that makes things you you really learn the true meaning of life when you have kids. Yeah. Yes, yeah. so there's not much else to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyways, I was witness to it and I just felt like I'm not the guy to step in. We're too close. We're in business together. Somebody else is gonna step in. And who did step in? Well, at the at the end of this cycle, so I think it's important for people to know is is as an addict in recovery, 
you know, taking the Adderall, it only took a couple of weeks before I was taking three or four times the amount I was prescribed. And then I went up to 300 milligrams. By How the time much is that? Prescribed? No. You, you did. I, I, How much I, is 300 milligrams? It's a lot. So what kind of were you, what was regular Adderall or just regular? Yeah, well, and then, but then my mm. manipulation came and then I started getting XR and then I combined yeah, them. Right, right, so, uh, but then that's what led into to drinking because, you know, with all the, the knowledge I have around, you know, substance abuse and mental health and, you know, I go, I can't take a Xanax. I'll have a heart attack. So oh, I'm my just, God. So Think of that brain right there that thought of that. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink alcohol. And so the drinking, that's, that's the scariest thing is I got the – you have to remember, I was a guy that used to drink and I would get arrested. I mean, that was kind of just the – And they then you weren't. And hands. You were drink, sipping wine. And, well, no. I, I was drinking straight vodka. So I would just pound it to go to sleep. And then I would take – I would just got in this cycle. And the scariest part is is it went from one extreme – like not get, drink, get arrested to interacting with very well educated doctors and and people in this industry, and they couldn't tell. Right. That's the scariest thing that I think I went through. So, what had happened? The straw that broke the camel's back is where I actually, and it wasn't like I was going out and partying. You have to understand no. this. This time I was in my office, isolated, miserable. I mean, it was the slow. It was the most suicidal kind of component i've ever been in but i could not escape this bondage. Hey, everybody watch patrick melrose the tv show on uh, showtime you saw it yet? yeah yeah it, it explores exactly what you went through for a heroin addict but but who switched over to alcohol and what that feels like well and that's and so and a lot of people and i'm comfortable saying this today is you have to understand two two days before my daughter was born i went into detox and yeah. i went from the detox to the fourth floor um went up there but i was so sick and so in the depths of my addiction that it wasn't, but, but about a week until I went back out, went back out again because I did not actively arrest the disease. I didn't get stabilized, and you know, the, again, went on another run for a while, and then it got to the point where I was intervened on by my wife because I had told her for so many years not to do anything. If she says anything, we're like basically yeah, threatening. Yeah. And know. what? Stay out of your disease. You stay out of it, and I mean, it's nobody else's business, you know. And and she didn't know what to do. And can we stop right there for one second? This happens a lot with treatment professionals. Because your livelihood your, yeah, yeah. Oh, is based on yeah, your yeah. sobriety. Oh, yeah. And I've helped a lot of people. We just talked about a woman that we helped that yes, had this yes, problem yes, today. Yes. Just a very good therapist. We love this woman yeah. and we I confronted her, right? And I and it Was did she not go for- it did not go well. <laughs> Part of another reason why I didn't confront Well, it's, a, it's the same thing with being a pastor. You know, you could you could have a, a you could be a, a mortgage broker, you could be an attorney, you could be even a doctor, and you um, and and you slip and and have a fall, whether it's immorality, adultery, you whatever. Still it is, have your job. You still have your job. Right. But as a pastor or a treatment professional, um, you know, no, you, you're done. You well, know? that's that goes back to what you were saying in the beginning, though. This I was in such a disease of denial. Like, I mean, that's I look at addiction as a disease of denial and. To know how much I was suffering and knowing everything I knew, I still couldn't reach out. That's what's scary about that's that. That's so painful. It's the worst. And I think that was – that's why today, like when Pete said we're looking at – you know, because with how corrupt the treatment industry is, like I always will be an ambassador because I've had a taste of recovery. I always love truly what that is today. But I, I, I honestly, I think this is the best thing that happened is because – my marriage is the best it's ever been. My relationships are yeah. the closest they've ever been. Like with Bob, you know, and that's like it's almost making amends in a public format is because the best of my decision kept getting me back to where I was. Well, the three of us know that it just takes what it takes. So you're, right. not, you're not going to scare us away. You know yeah. what I mean? No matter what happens to you. Wouldn't you say? I would yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, we know it takes what it takes. So but I think Jason probably felt abandoned by me. Yeah. And I, it was a conscious decision. Like, I'm not the guy that should be doing this. That's not him being scared away. Right. That's him it wasn't. Making, it was a me just taking a step back. And you know where I live. Yeah. You never came by one time. Yeah. I was too, I was too busy taking apart a shredder. <laughs> <laughs> you know those shredders. You got to see what goes on inside them, Drew. Well, and, dude, and, when you put <laughs> 500 pieces of paper in there and it gets jammed, you got the. I'm over there with a, a benchmark knife cranking through it. And before for, you know it, the for whole all thing's you non addicts at home, that's called tweaking. <laughs> tweaking. Stimulus. Take your TV, your radio, your refrigerator, shredder. take it apart. First time I've heard a shredder. What's so funny? It's so funny. The cops, I was talking to cops, and they go, you know, we're out on the street. Why do they keep taking their bikes apart? They keep their bikes apart. That's meth, dude. That's just meth. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh. So, so anyways, I'm so glad. I, I knew that it would happen. I knew that everything would – because you know the, the fundamentals of it. I think Jason was a victim of the Orange County – rehab world and i i now have been down there for three years you grew up there you yeah. know 
the L.A. world, I'm not saying it's perfect. It just has a certain amount of ethics that just don't exist 35 miles south. Right. I don't understand oh, it. Or 3,000 miles east. Let's put it this way. We have a spectrum of ethics up here that includes some good folks. I think, yeah. the, I think the spectrum but is I mean, narrower pay, down there and uh, skewed the wrong way. Let's just get to the, the, the uh, pink elephant in yeah. the room. Patient brokering doesn't really happen in Los Angeles. Oh, is that true? It's invented in Orange County. Yes. Yeah. I don't Inherited know how. from Florida. Yes, really? that's how right. Did yes. It, how did that's it become right. so acceptable? Like, hey, whoa, whoa, yeah, whoa. I never... And Jason never struck me as that. Jason's a guy that invest far too much time with one client like five hours with this one guy the big guy at the the, the newport beach yep. i told jason can oh, you God. go by and get this guy pick up pick him up i just talked this to him for a couple hours he was gonna yeah. go yeah sleep out jason lives over there for two days like yeah dude he got, got the guy damn pap machine or whatever it was for his CPAP. Yeah, CPAP. CPAP machine. i, I used one got of those. off of freaking in craigslist i was like bob who the hell did you set me up with <laughs> dude he was ready to get in the car and somehow jason's just like loving well, pe- he's so, loving people too much so so love, so so patient so what Brokering, day. patient brokering doesn't fit a soul like that. Oh, no, he's no, in listen, the any, middle any of that world. Any soul that's living a good life, it doesn't fit with number one. Number two, so eventually we'll do a little love and codependency work with Jason. Yeah. Not yeah. yet. Not yet. Too soon. But you'll need that too. For sure. Well, it's funny you say that because I did a people-pleasing test of 30 characteristics that show – You're 28 uh, of 30? Uh, 28, 27 of 30. Okay. So uh, th- that became very apparent. And But I, the biggest thing that I always want to advocate and the reason why I came out with this and the reason why I'm so content and present today is because honestly, the way I was living and the thing I had again – I think I said this on your first podcast I ever did years ago is I grew up in a very stable, functioning, unbelievable family – and but then again, when I went into the entertainment business, experienced some notoriety, some you know money, all this different shit. Let me tell you something. There's no difference between the entertainment industry and the recovery industry that's you what, were involved that's in. That's what it's it all grandiose and big shotism. Correct. Right. So that's what I was alluding to. Is is one? I was not happy doing what I was doing. I was in the beginning, but I became very unhappy again. And I think that's the biggest thing. Is I wanted to let people know is by me coming out is is one. This does happen. But two is. Do not suffer anymore. I mean, that's the thing. I, three years of suffering, you don't need to do that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Well, you're not the only one down there that's gone through this. And and I think you all need to rise up and start a real ethical, honorable kind of mm-hmm. treatment center yeah. that's transparent. I'd like to be a part of it. I look at that condo every time I drive. I was there on, on Friday, Thursday and Friday. I think, what the fuck? This is the most beautiful idea. The Jason's family owns this property. We put a 12-bed rehab in there. It was so beautiful, an idea, and it just went to hell because it yeah. was a part of the Orange County well, it, scum. It's, scum. It's, it's yeah. also, right? It fed on now, the three of – we're going to pretend like you're not here for a second. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It's not going to be bad because we love you and okay. we like everything about you. But he is – there's a piece of his character that is an addict piece that flourishes in all that that still is attached to him. Yeah. Okay. That piece, he's got to pro- something. He's got to his program's got to release that or manage it. He's delete some software and then put some new stuff in I, there. He, well, maybe because he'll always be the same guy, you right. know. But there's a part of it. There's a part he's not really aware of it. I, I see it. No, I, I'm I, saying I know. And, and, but you know, I know Pete knows what I'm talking about because you probably had to let go of the same stuff, right, in order to flourish, in order to get well. I don't know. We got to get him there. Well, in your and, case, and I keep telling him, gravitating towards the head of the Vagos and those guys, looking up to those guys. Instead of I met all the people he was looking up to, and I was repulsed by them. Right, right. right. You have to get a little more antisocial personality. Well, yeah, Jason. <laughs> he's got that. But you don't have that. You don't have that. Yeah, I don't have that. You don't. Well, maybe I do, but you don't have that. And, but. Um, I, I just keep using the words, Pete, for him, humility and gratitude, humility and gratitude. Like that's sort of where the road, the humility and gratitude road is the road where he needs to be. I think that I yeah. think the uh, the contagious nature of that narcissistic that thing, that uh, the vein that seems yeah. to run through you our culture. You know all the people yeah. I'm yeah. talking about. Right, I do. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think I think the, the contagious part of that um, – has it uh, has attempted to infect Jason, but, no, because, but, but because because of his heart, he, I don't even yes, think it's that. Uh, I think they're using the him because he's used. so he's being used because it's he's hurting. so genuine and authentic I, and yeah. caring, yeah, 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 and they're yeah. using him, and then he's buying their bullshit. But, but I'm going to tell you, and but, there was no way I could stop. But Bob, it. the part that's buying the part that buys the bullshit is his addict self. There's a part of him that. Kind of is attracted to that BS. It's in, it's instant gratification. That, well, that's that's what happened though. Is 
like I said, things were good. The complacency, I started surrounding me. You're a product of your environment. I always say that. And my own chaos surrounded me with those people, not you, not yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Those people became in. But you're absolutely right. That's the biggest thing I need to focus on that I believe. I'm not worried you're going to get rid of those people. I want that part of you. I, I know, know you're. I know I you're know talking about. I don't know for sure either. Well, what he's it is, moved but I know to Irvine. That's humbling. <laughs> it, it, but it's not strictly humility. It's not it strictly is humility. Wait, Drew, you got to understand this. He lived in a beautiful house. It was nice. It fit them. Right? Yes. Yes. Then he sells it because he's making a good amount of money off of housing sales. It was close to my house. It was cool. He he then tells me he's got a new house, and I'm thinking it's going to be something humble. It's like near the ocean in the most expensive part of Orange County. I'm like Jason. Never find me there. I would come visit. This? <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. And that, but that was. It was two people living in like a 15 room house. <laughs> hey, dude! Somebody had to do it. I was saying, I, had, I wanted to paint it's a lot that. of rooms. It's that. It's that, but it's. We don't know what it really is yet. We'll see it as as you go along your recovery. It, it will sort of present itself. That he's. And we'll, I believe we'll that he doesn't know how much we love him. And oh, I, don't I know care, that. I don't I care that. where he lives. Yeah. I don't care. Actually, I don't. I don't like the bigger houses. So I don't know. That, you know, probably for Jason, I, I can only. I, I, so for me, um, walking into a room and and having uh, or a bar. Even as a sober person, you know, walking into a bar and having everybody say, oh, there's Freeway Pete, National Sergeant Arms of the Vagos, shh, you know, mm-hmm. pay him respect. That was elevating for me, uh, you know. And now It can't it, matter, though. It can't no, matter. No, it, it can't, but it did. It did yeah. because it massaged all of that, uh, but that that's angst the... I had as a result of, you know, growing up and feeling invisible yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and disqualified. Right. But then now, like, um, the same amount of recognition when I, I, I walk inside, I go, oh, that's Pastor Pete. Did you see him on? And, and like now it's like, Oh man, I hope I, I hope I'm not seen doing anything, you know, yeah. shady. Uh, shady right. You know what I mean? Because it, it, the whole the whole desire for the image it, it, it still exists. Like I know Jason still has a, uh, you know, like when we walk into a PA meeting and uh, that's Jason Waller. Remember, he was on the hills mm-hmm. and Beach, and and that's got to be gratifying to some extent because you did put in a lot of work and and and, and you were good at it. But then there's that part that says, um, okay, so now uh, how do I exemplify? being right-sized and humble when I'm being recognized um, in, in a public venue. It's a fine I, my, my thing is it can't matter. Right. If it matters, then 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 that piece is active again. And, uh, so I have a question for yeah. you guys then, yeah. especially with that stuff, because I think a lot of that was a controversy to where I ended up personally, because I didn't know how to deal with it. Now yeah. I feel like I have better resources to do that, but there's been an opportunity for potentially to go back on to do these things. Yeah. And that's – it's. I can say something's changed because I didn't jump to do it, but we're actually in the process of thinking of doing something. And but that's where – if I'm feeling uncomfortable, what is that a sign of? That's a good well, sign. It's a good well, sign. That's a good you're sign. contemplating it. So yeah. so I live in that world, and, and what I've found is I have good, solid friends. You mentioned some of them. Mm-hmm. They keep me right-sized, right? They – you know, I'm the guy. Anytime there's a question about recovery in our home group on Thursday night, it's like, I don't know, ask Bob. He's the one that knows everything about everything. Right. Yeah. And it just makes me embarrassed. <laughs> like, no, I don't know everything about everything. That's something that's huge that you just brought up, though, is going into those and not pretending like I know everything anymore. No, no, I, it's, no, no, it's, it, no, no. no it's going in there and just humble, listening. Humble, 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 humble. Yeah, Humility is key. Well, but you don't want to be the king of humility. It's so grandiose. Right. That's almost an like ego trip in itself, right? Well, that's interesting. I, I not thought that. You're right. You're right. You You're right. This, it, look how the, humble I am. Well, the codependent <laughs> flips into a grandiosity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a fine line, and it's really hard to walk a public sober. I think it's why Bill Wilson was so depressed. I mean, imagine what it was like to be him. He was, and he was suicidally depressed. You know, gener- he was had a, a lot of mistresses, apparently. So here he is, this this inventor of this life-changing program, and he knows he's not all that, but then he is that. Like, I just think I just look to the founder who started the thing that I'm a part he's of. He's still an alcoholic. Yeah. That's the bottom line. He was still an alcoholic. He's still- <laughs> but how did he, he, he walk that He defined the target. 
Yeah. He didn't say he'd arrive. He defined yeah. the target. It's yeah. like the Apostle Paul, writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Yes. In, 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 in Romans chapter 6, he talks about, why is it that I can't do the things that I want to do, and I'm still stuck doing the things that I don't want to do? Uh, who will save me from this body of thin, sin? And I, I thank God for Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, because we are none of us capable of walking the line that we aspire to walk. It's right. like well, there's humanity involved. We're, we've got the human problem. And so in that, I think uh, Jung, you know, talks about, you know, the shadow self. And, you know, we have the self that we would love to be, the target self, the person who we, who we, who we'd espouse to be or the person that I preach about, you know, wanting to become on Sunday morning. But then there's this other part of me that's a little dark, you know. I've got a dark side. And, uh, and how do we find the balance in that? And how do we find the way to not condemn ourselves for our humanity and still aspire to live in this lofty well, place? That, and this is why I think community is so important. I'm either going to hang out with people who reinforce my darkness uh-huh. or exactly. reinforce my aspirations. Exactly. I have a question for you, Right. What are we going to do when Jason gets tongue and mouth cancer from Chew? Uh, Jesus Christ, the kid's Amputate just getting... Head. He's getting off of drugs again, Drew. Can you give him a all break? Right. Just make sure we're all okay with that. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Not perfect. Dude, just I make sure we're all good. cool with that. That's all. God. Don't worry. He <laughs> tells me about my liver cancer from hepatitis C all the time. Okay, I used to. I used to before you got it treated. Yeah, Harvoni, the you, miracle you, drug. You look good, man. That works for you. Good. Yeah, it works for him. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Have you, uh, were you reflected? Uh, I was exposed to... This is a crazy story, man. I was exposed to hep C. They started me on that old school medication. Oh, right. Interferon. Interferon. I went to my pastor. I went yeah. to my pastor and I said, and I said uh, you know, I've been diagnosed with hep C. And he said, I want you to come in and I want this guy, Howard, to pray for you. And, uh, and this guy came in and they laid me out on the desk and they prayed for me. And for three days I was sick as a dog. My liver felt like a cinder block. With the I interferon? Feverish. I had only done the interferon three days. Oh, and, um, so and so then, so and sick. so then, uh, I woke up on the fourth morning. I felt like a gazelle. You know, yeah. I was like, I felt like I, I felt like a teenager again. And so I you went had a back great to response. the doctor. You had a great response. I went back to the doctor, and he said, "You need to stop taking that medication right away because." Why? Um, and so Why? Because, because it makes you sick. It makes you no. But sick. what happened was I got healed. Yeah. You know, basically, and I, I've relapsed since then. And I thought, oh man, God's going to give me my Hep C back for sure. But you know, and I still get tested every six months Good. to a year, and I, I have a no no genotype, no viral count, load count. None of that. But I have a young friend, um, one of my best friend's sons, uh, who works in the recovery deal. Uh, he's a sober coach and works around L.A., young, beautiful, vital young man. And he has had a myriad of physical health problems. Like, I, I had ulcerative colitis, and they took my colon out and half my small intestine. All that. But this young man was going bad with this colitis, and then he had hep C. And so he just finished the Harbone deal, and, and he was completely cured. Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a Coke's pouch or something? What they make for you? I have a J pouch. J pouch, yeah. Yeah. Now we're getting into Dr. Drew That's territory. Yeah, we're talking about yeah, I'm mouth a, and throat I'm cancer, liver cancer, pouches. <laughs> it's, it's time for education. And yeah. I had the, right. I had the Pusto procedure the done on my pancreas as well. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's time well, to close it up when we're doing yeah. Dr. Talk. Yeah, we got to wrap it up. <laughs> Dr. Talk but, show we, now. Have, but, but Jason, but Jason's been sort of coyly out of the out of our focus for you. So right. we do. Are we good? Are you good? Mm, do you need to hear more from us? Yeah. No, this is you good. You want to tell more about your story or anything? We didn't answer whether you should do this thing coming up. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, really, it's, I wanted to come up here to connect and see you guys. Yeah. I know, you know. This it's just the first. I know. Let, let me tell you, I, so I told him fine, as long as sponsor and, and people in his sober He knows how to say, okay. like, yeah. hang around with this guy instead of the people you were hanging around, right? Yeah. It's that simple. I got to yeah. say something about Jason. I think really, at the, at the end of the day, one of the reasons that he came up here today was to help me, you know, to, to support me. And because he knows I really wanted to connect with you guys. Right, well, right. We, we appreciate – first of all, I want to read the book, number one. Yeah, wake, it's uh, Dead, Dead Man, Man waking. waking, number one. Number two, I appreciate you watching after him. So we're, we're part of the team now. So yeah. I, I needed to meet you. Yeah. Okay, great. That's awesome. So good. Awesome. All right, Bob, we good? Right, we're done? good. I got to go pick Elvis Gold up. up. All right, man. Anyone shout out any of your stuff, your Twitter handles or anything? Did I no, that I, out there? Well, Instagram is the main one for me, but that's just at Jason Waller. Do a little bit of I would think Snapchat at your age. No, bro. Mm. I'm not, that's 14-year-olds. No. Yeah, come on, Bob. <laughs> a couple years older than that. All right, guys. So for Even me, if I, I might mean, say, uh, deadmanwaking.net. You can look into my books at perfect. deadmanwaking.net. Great. Congratulations, gentlemen. Thank you. you. Okay, bye. Great day. See ya. 
All right, that's about it for this episode of This Life. Check us out at KBC, being uh, Lawrence Vaughn, 790 Midday Live Talk Radio, Monday to Friday. You can also tune in every day live via the magic of the internet at kbc.com. If you miss it, we've made it simple for you to find all the shows at drdrew.com, the Adam and Dr. Drew podcast, the Sync One I Do By Myself, the Dr. Drew podcast, This Life, of course, with Bob Swole Patrol, Mike Cantho, and his new health and fitness podcast. You can uh, find us on Twitter at This Life Podcast, at Dr. Drew, Dairy W, at Rehab Bob Forrest, and of course, our lovely producer at First Lady of Love. I think I know who that is. If you love this show, please subscribe and tell a friend. We appreciate it when you do. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. Send us a message. Join the email list at drdrew.com, drdrew.com slash contact. You'll also get a weekly uh, email from us on that. Uh, while you're at it, at doctor.com, please support our sponsors by clicking through the banners. We only advertise products that I can get behind. So thank you for supporting them, those that support us. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.